Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of DYD Decide Your Destiny. Last time, new partners Ephril and Runa made their way through Okan's combat training obstacle course, passing through most of the obstacles with swift teamwork. However, at the second-to-last obstacle, Kipper the Gnome Rogue caused a trap to trigger over Runa as she saved Ephril from the same fate. Choosing to help her over winning the course, Ephril and Runa placed lower than expected, but still succeeded. As the episode concluded, Ephril was faced with the choice of his opponent in a three-round sparring match, and that is where you all come in. Let's get right back to it and continue to decide Ephril's destiny. Alright, Kipper, let's see if your bite is as strong as your bark. The gnome sneered at this, pulling up his sleeves and crouching slightly, taking a defensive posture. I gave you three hits before you out. Let's get to it. Ephril took a similar stance, albeit one with a more elegant form, recalling as much as he could from scout training. He'd never been one for hand-to-hand -hand combat, but he wasn't going to allow that to hold him back against the boisterous gnome's challenge. Whenever you're ready. Oh, I was born ready. Try not to blink, you might miss me. Ephril rolled his eyes at this and settled into his stance. He noted Runa and Thorin sizing one another up, the dwarf opting to remove his upper armor, leaving him bare-chested for the fight, though his chest hair more than made up for the lack of a shirt. They circled one another slowly, and Ephril decided to do the same. As Skipper seemed in no hurry to make the first move, Ephril decided to do a test strike, quickly reversing his step from the slow circle. Ephril stepped in close, taking advantage of his superior reach to strike out at Kipper's shoulder. Kipper deflected the blow with his own hand, prepared for Ephril's choreographed attack. Using his other hand, Kipper attempted to counter with a jab to Ephril's stomach. Prepared for this, Ephril quickly stepped back out of reach, analyzing his opponent again. They seemed to be on similar grounds when it came to speed, with Ephril lacking somewhat when it came to power. To his left, he heard a heavy grunt, and glanced over quickly to see Runa land a solid punch to Thorin's gut, knocking the air out of him. Determined to keep up with her, he went in for another strike, this time attempting a feint into a jab. Kipper responded with another deflection attempt, but was caught off guard by the feint, taking a solid hit into his left shoulder. Letting out a quick grunt of pain, Kipper attempted another counter, this time a sweep to Ephril's legs. Reacting just in time, Ephril jumped over the sweep and, using his forward momentum, went for a kick of his own to Kipper's exposed back. Kipper quickly ducked under the leg before attempting to grab it and restrain him. Ephril easily escaped this attempt, quickly pulling his leg in as he landed on the other. Both jumped back to reassess, only one blow finding purchase so far. Gotta hand it to you, tree boy. You're pretty quick. Not much strength behind your hits, though. Don't wanna risk hurting those dainty little hands or something? Not much of a hand-to-hand -hand kind of person is all. You'll have to wait until round three to see me truly shine. Let's get this done quick then, shall we? How about this? First one to get the other to the ground wins. The other yells uncle. Ephril considered his options. He knew his hits would likely take far too long to take Kipper out, and he freed himself fairly easily from Kipper's previous grapple attempts. The question was, could he get Kipper to the ground? All right, I accept. First one to the ground loses. Kipper smiled at this before racing towards Ephril again. Ephril made the first move, however, dodging left and sticking out his leg in an attempt to trip Kipper. The leg connected, but Kipper quickly righted himself after stumbling a few feet forward. He quickly turned around, diving for Ephril's ankles to knock him down into a grapple. Yet again, Ephril jumped over Kipper's attempt on his legs, this time using his momentum to attempt to land on top of Kipper, effectively restraining him. Kipper rolled out of the way just in time, leaving Ephril on the ground as he jumped on top of him, trying to get him in a headlock. Ephril attempted to wriggle free, but with the wind slightly knocked out of him from the hard landing, Kipper successfully locked him up. Ephril struggled for a moment before accepting his defeat. Uncle, I concede. Kipper held the lock for a moment too long before releasing the hold, sauntering around the area at his victory. Ephril stared at the ceiling for a moment before bringing himself up into a seated position. 
He looked over to see Thorin flat on the ground with Runa on top of him, arm locked behind his back. Soon after, he conceded and Runa released the hold before walking over to Ephraim. Tough luck on the first round, but it was going to be a hard one for you either way. You seem much more proficient with weapons and spellcasting than fist fighting. Let's hope. I'd prefer not to embarrass myself again. That concludes the first round of fighting. You may take a short break and prepare for the next round. There's a selection of weapons below with blunted tips and edges. We will be using the three-strike method in the second round. The first combatant to land three strikes against their opponent wins. Strike swiftly and strike true. The group made its way towards a large keg of water to hydrate before looking over the weapons available to them. Runa picked up a longsword as expected, Thorn a warhammer, and Kipper a short sword and a dagger. As he knew damage would be less important than hits, Everell grabbed two daggers, hoping to get in a lucky offhand swing early. After a moment, they returned to the arena and faced their opponents. Begin. Wasting no time this round, both Everell and Kipper raced forward, poised to strike. Everell reacted milliseconds faster, however, and went in for the first set of strikes. Going for a quick jab to Kipper's shoulder again, he deftly slid the blade under his outstretched arm, landing a piercing strike and scoring the first hit. Not waiting for a counter-strike, he flipped the grip on a second dagger, aiming at Kipper's side while ducking under his opponent's blade. Unprepared for the relentless advance, Kipper was unable to dodge in time, a second strike jabbing him into his side, making him recoil even from the blunted blade. Seething, Kipper quickly recovered before attempting his own two strikes. Determined to overshadow his previous failure, Ephraim brought one dagger up to deflect the short sword strike, the edge sliding along the other to the cross guard, locking both in place, and turning clockwise as the second strike cut into the air where he had just occupied. Now to Kipper's side, one blade locked with the other, Ephraim went for a final jab into his back, flicking his second blade into a reverse grip as well. The small delay in order to shift the blade was enough for Kipper to free his blade and jump back, dodging the strike by mere inches. Kipper snarled in frustration before jumping in for another two strikes. His rage sending Ephraim slightly off guard, Kipper successfully fainted to the right, landing two quick slices to Ephraim's thigh, tying them up. Attempting to keep calm, Ephraim retaliated, hoping to score a quick slice and finish the bout. Striking out abruptly, his first swipe left him slightly off balance, causing his second to swing wide, leaving an opening for Kipper's continued assault. Barely dodging away from the first and deflecting the second, Ephraim countered, hoping to use the moment of unsteadiness after his deflection to his advantage. Ephraim stabbed forward with both daggers simultaneously, Kipper attempting to swat Ephraim's hands down with his forearm, but was unable to push them far enough away, as both daggers jabbed directly onto the armor over his stomach, ending the round. Ephraim sighed in relief as he backed away, sheathing his daggers as Kipper stood fuming. He glanced over at River, who had been watching intently, as she nodded slightly before turning her attention to another fight, causing Ephraim to beam. He then turned towards Runa and Thorin's fight, which seemed to be less one-sided than he expected. Everell could see the indentation of two solid hits on Runa's armor, sure that even with the safety precautions that the Warhammer packed a punch. It was harder to tell where and if Thorin had been hit yet, as the longsword didn't leave much of an imprint, so he left that up to Okan. As the fight continued, Runa surprised Thorin suddenly by unlatching her shield, it dropping with a thud to the ground as she brought her longsword into a two-handed stance, the blade held horizontally forward at head height. Attempting to take advantage of the now less protected Runa, Thorin dashed forward, Warhammer poised to strike. Runa remained still, set in her stance. Just as Thorin reached her range, Runa dropped low into a crouch, bringing her sword low, almost piercing the sand, before launching it upward into a heavy slice. Caught off guard, Thorin took the blow directly to the chest, flying off his feet and landing on his back in the sand, wind knocked free from his lungs. Some of the Finnish groups cheered at this, astounded by the display before being silenced by a cold stare from Okan. Runa walked over to Thorin with an outstretched hand to help him up, to which he considered for a moment before batting it away and standing up on his own. His face reddened slightly in anger and embarrassment both. And that, initiates, is the end of the second round. 
Clean off, refresh yourselves, and prepare for our last bout. This will be the most strenuous one, so bring all that you can forward. And remember, there will be no blunted weapons this time. Each strike can and will injure your opponent. As said before, there will be no lethal blows, maiming, or dismembering. Otherwise, there are no restrictions. We will have healers at the ready for each group, so give it your all. The groups discuss quietly at this, unsure just how far each were willing to go in the coming round. Ephraim brought out his own rapier and stashed it in his sheath. He then brought out his lyre, testing each string and tuning it as best he could before returning to the arena. You gotta be kidding me. The tree boy's a musician? What you gonna do, sing me to death? Not to death, no. But singing you unconscious, most likely, yes. Let's see what you got then. Begin. Ephraim locked eyes with Kipper as the round began, and the world around the two began to quiet. Wasting no time, he began to strum a discordant melody on the lyre, whispering in harmony to it towards Kipper. Kipper looked puzzled for a moment before the sound of his spell, dissonant whispers, reached his ears, his brow creasing in pain as the cacophony of sound reached him. He shook off the majority of the spell, seemingly fairly resilient against Ephraim's magic, but still looking worse for wear after only one attack. Kipper dashed forward, dropping low as he reached Ephraim. Ephraim prepared to dodge as Kipper brought his hand up, only to realize his weapon had been replaced by a pile of sand. Caught off guard, the sand buffeted his face and caught in his eyes, effectively blinding him. Using this to his advantage, Kipper stabbed forward with his dagger, catching a slit in his leather armor and piercing into his side, wounding him deeply. His eyes watering and the pain of the stab causing his heartbeat to roar in his ears, Ephraim tried to consider his next move. He knew he had hit Kipper hard with his first spell, but wasn't sure just how much more he could take. On the other hand, he could heal himself, but risk another strike from Kipper. He trusted in his music more with his eyesight gone, but if he failed, he'd- Take him down, Rill! He suddenly heard Runa yell in the distance, strengthening his resolve. He decided to go with the best of both worlds and give himself some distance while going on the offensive with another dissonant whisper. Finally able to use his ace in the hole, Ephraim engulfed himself in a cloud of leaves, using his face step to teleport away from Kipper before sending another melody his way. Thankful that he need not see his opponent for the music to reach them, he focused in on Kipper's image and began the melody, his hands gliding over the lyre's strings, plucking out a biting tune. A sudden, agonized sound from his left let Ephraim know his song had struck true in Kipper's mind, followed by a soft thud as he crumpled to the ground. Ephraim smiled, his eyes still burning from the sand, his vision slowly returning as he washed it away with his water skin. He looked to see Runa walking towards him, limping heavily but otherwise okay, and to the unconscious thorn about thirty feet behind her being tended to by clerics as he was riddled with cuts and slices. I knew you had him in the long run, Rill. I didn't know you were a bard. That music really packs a punch. You had him down in two shots. Yes, well, those two shots were basically all I have for any given day, besides a cantrip or two. Might as well go all out when you know you can rest afterwards. I honestly learned a lot from the combat training overall, so that rest will include me going over everything that happened today and hopefully retaining some of it for the future. Same here. I'm gonna have to ask Thorin about some of his techniques. I haven't taken many hits as heavy as the ones he threw at me. Oh, and we should probably get to a healer. I got pretty battered, and you look like you're still bleeding. With the adrenaline from the battle beginning to wear off, Ephraim became aware that yes, he was in fact bleeding. A good amount at that. Runa lent him his shoulder, and they both hobbled off to the clerics to get patched up. Soon after, with all the initiates patched up and back on their feet, Akon looked over the crowd. Well done to all initiates. You each fought valiantly, tactically and with a desire to succeed. I will also assure you that there is just as much merit in losing as there is winning, for many even more so. For each loss, you learn more about yourself, about your potential opponents, and what can be done better next time. Each loss you live through is a victory in its own right. As for the victors, take this time to recall what you did right, what you could have done better, 
and what your opponents did to surprise you the most. All of this and more will occur in the field, and it is paramount that you adapt to any situation, if you are to be successful as a harper. With that, you have all completed the combat section of harper training. Congratulations. The initiates all cheered at this, to which Akan smiled softly. Your training is not complete, however. To this end, I pass you off to our own Misty River, who will instruct you on all things espionage. Listen well to her, and give her as much, if not more, respect as you gave me, for she will be your true guidance into our line of work. Dismissed. River nodded at this and moved forward before the group could head towards their quarters. We begin our first lesson at six tomorrow, and yes, that is in the morning. Sleep well, for tomorrow may not be physically taxing per se, but exhausting all the same. Dinner is available in the dining hall. Enjoy your rest, and see you tomorrow. At that, Akon and River made their way back to the commons room, the initiates following behind to head to the dining hall. After grabbing their meals, Ephraim and Runa sat together to discuss their sides of the fights from earlier that day. A few minutes in, Thorin and Kipper sat down across from them. Readying himself for some snide remarks, Ephraim looked towards them, they both sat there silently before Thorin jabbed Kipper in the arm. Ow! All right, all right. Thorin and me, we wanted to say sorry for how we acted after you chose Runa as your partner. We both thought you were just some punk with a high and mighty feel about you, and we wanted to teach you a lesson. And then we got our asses handed to us. I know when I get beat fair and square, especially when I fought 30, so we were hoping to start off again on a better foot. We're all in this for the betterment of the world, and we shouldn't be fighting over petty rivalries. So, I hope you both will accept our apology, and we can continue on as fellows. That all right? Kipper stretched out his hand to Ephraim, followed shortly by Thorin towards Runa. Ephraim looked over to her, who nodded slightly, a smile on the corner of her mouth. Ephraim nodded back before taking Kipper's hand, Runa doing the same. Apology accepted, and fellows it is. Kipper grinned at this before responding. Now I'm still taking my win in the unarmed round to the grave with me. What a story. Pinning an elf twice my height in front of a whole audience of people? That's a tale for the grandkids if I've ever heard one. The group laughed at this, digging into their dinner and discussing the training so far, getting to know one another better and wondering what awaited for them in the morning. They soon retired to their bunks, full and ready to rest after an exhausting day. Ephraim prepared his bunk for his trance, noticing one or two other elves in the group doing the same, and smiled to himself at the thought of not being the only outlier here. He settled in, drifting into his semi-conscious state and replaying the events of the day, meditating on the strategies both he and his opponents used, how to increase his endurance with the obstacle course, and anything else he could analyze. About halfway through this meditation, his mind wandered slightly, and veered away to a realm closer to his subconscious. He found himself in a small room, bare save for a single lyre resting on an unadorned stool. He picked it up, curious, and began to pluck a few notes. As he continued to play, his hands began to act independently, creating a melody he hadn't yet heard or played, one laced with the arcane. As he continued to play, the strumming began to quicken, the piece shifting into a fast allegro before abruptly stopping, a final strike across all the strings sending a wave of sound forward, knocking the stool ten feet away and crashing against the wall ahead of him. This being the first time he had ever learned a new spell song on his own, Ephraim stood back in amazement, wondering who or what had sent him this vision. As his mind drifted back out of its subconscious detour, Ephraim memorized the melody, certain now that he had grown immensely in his short time training with the Harpers, and excited to continue in the morning. As his trance ended, he went through his morning ritual, careful not to wake the other initiates from their slumbers, and waited in his bunk until the others began to stir. 
As the various initiates in their own unique form of grogginess made their way to the common room, they found River waiting, resting on the central couch. Good morning, initiates, and welcome to the second step of your training. The following week will be an advanced introduction, and in many ways, a weed-out course in espionage. Where the combat course is upfront, fast-paced, and physically demanding, this section will be deceptive, methodical, and at many times taxing on not only the mind, but the will and soul. Before we begin, I will let you know that a major aspect of this training involves the use of torture, counter-torture tactics, and advanced interrogation techniques. It is not for the faint of heart, and if this is not something you can stomach, you may leave now. The initiates muttered amongst themselves as River looked on, her feline eyes scanning the crowd casually. After a moment, the room quieted, each initiate remaining where they were. Excellent. We may yet keep a few of you by the end. We start with the fundamentals, and with a bit of a game. I'm sure you remember it from your schooling if you had one. It is two truths and a lie. Each of you will sit opposite of me one by one, and you will give me your truths and lie in a random order, attempting to conceal your lie however you see fit. If I am able to detect the lie, you will take an additional day in the deception course. If I do not, you will have surprised me. Let us begin. After a few moments of the initiates formulating their phrases, River called forward Thorin and began the exercise. Thorin's lie was spotted right as he began as River chastised him for his obvious tell, wringing his hand on his warhammer. Next, a few of the initiates Ephraim had yet to introduce himself to were summarily turned away, each with obvious tells at least to River's keen senses. Runa was then called and began her three phrases. Runa was the first to get through all three without interruption. However, River spotted the lie as the first phrase after a moment's pause, attributing it to the change in cadence as she continued. Next up was Kipper, who was turned away after his first phrase, another tell found swiftly by River. Finally, Ephraim sat across from her, eyes fixed to hers. You may begin. I fell into a pit trap and was saved by a druid. I caught a falling star, and I saved my father from an owlbear attack. Ephraim kept his gaze to River, determined to stump her. She sat for a moment, her piercing stare nearly boring a hole behind Ephraim's eyes. After a moment, she sighed. I had a feeling you might get me here, Ephraim. Which was a lie. If I were to guess, I would say the falling star for the pure fanciful nature. Sorry, River, but it was the owlbear. I actually saved my uncle from that one, not my father. River smirked at this, her eyes glimmering slightly as she turned to the other initiates. That is a fantastic segue into our first lesson. Ephraim has used one of the most versatile tricks up a spy's sleeve, the half-truth. The closer to the truth you make a lie, as long as it steers them in another direction, the harder it will be to discern. This will vary depending on how well the person knows your persona, the subject in question, or their sense in general, but it is always a good rule of thumb to leak pieces of truth to cover otherwise blatant lies. She turned back towards Ephraim. Well done, Ephraim. I am impressed at you yet again. Keep it up. The rest of you, let's head to the main practice room and begin work on your proficiency in the art of deception. Ephraim, I believe Master Arcon wanted a word. Ephraim watched as the group left the common room, Runa sending a wave and a wink as she left. Ephraim hopped up from his seat and made his way down to the arena, where he saw Master Arcon kneeling, seemingly in meditation. Ephraim, good, sit. Ephraim did so, taking a similar posture to Akon. Before you ask, no, you are not in trouble. Each initiate will have a one-on-one -on -one eventually with the masters after training has ended. And what does this one-on-one -on -one entail? What would you say was your biggest weakness during the fighting yesterday? 
Ephraim paused for a moment, surprised at the sudden question. Honestly, Master O'Conn, it was my hand-to-hand. I'm honestly surprised I was able to land a blow without a weapon. Good. It is important to see where improvement is needed before improvement can begin. Your aptitude for dexterous weapons and magic was exemplified on the field, likely from your upbringing and natural ability. However, once these were stripped away, you were nearly powerless. You will have an additional assignment along with your usual training. You and I will spar once a day until your training is ended. And if you are open to the lessons that will be taught, you will leave with weapons that need not be forged, extensions of your own body that are more reliable than any steel, swifter than any arrow, and more durable than any armor. Yes, Master Orkhan, I am humbled at your interest in me. I will learn all that I can from you. Let us hope so. It may be the difference between life and death someday. We begin now, then you will return to the main group for lunch. Yes, sir. With that, Ephraim and Ocon began an impromptu sparring session as the hours ticked by. As lunch approached and the other initiates made their way into the dining hall, they found a solidly sandier Ephraim than when they had left. He sat slumped on one of the benches, breathing heavily and holding his water skin to his head. What'd you get punished for? I thought you were being a star pupil so far. Not punished, just pummeled. He's helping me find a way around my lack of physical strength, and his form of teaching involves being thrown to the ground. Quite a few times, in fact. Runa giggled at this before heading to the line for lunch. She came back holding two trays and set one in front of Ephraim. He sat up slightly and nodded in appreciation before digging in. Thorn and Kipper sat down soon after. Well, you sure look like the Ben we had to toss that extra sand in after the obstacle course, doesn't he, Thorin? Thorin nodded, a smile forming as he chuckled to himself. Say, Thorin, not to pry or anything, but how come you speak so little? Is it a clerical thing or something? Thorin nodded as Kipper piped in. Dwarf's been on a vow of silence ever since he left the monastery. Won't say what for, but he only speaks when it's super important, like with uh, River's game earlier. Makes him look a little solemn to me, but hey, that's how clerics is, right? Seems like a noble vow to me. I'll be ready for the day your vow is fulfilled so I can hear that boisterous dwarven laugh I've heard so much about. Thorin reddened slightly at this as Runa grinned. Lunch ended soon after as River returned to gather up the initiates. All right. Next, we will be swapping the roles around slightly. First, I will give you all two truths and a lie, and anyone able to perceive which is which will be done for today. Anyone else will stay until dinner, pairing up and practicing the game with their partner. Remember to keep an eye on my body language, my cadence, even my eye movements, as they can all indicate a lie. You will come up to me with your guests, and I will divide the groups once we are done. Oh, and I will know if you are guessing, so please do not try if you do not know. My rank was in the Harpers, is Wise Owl, my parents abandoned me as a kitten, and my back tattoo is of the night sky above my homeland. The initiates shuffled slightly as each of them analyzed the phrases. Ephraim took all of River in during this time, hoping to find even the slightest tell as she spoke. Suddenly, something clicked, the slightest variation in her cadence as she spoke about her tattoo. Ephraim was sure he had gotten it, surprised even at himself that he hadn't gotten distracted looking at River again. He began to step towards River confidently, but was a half-step behind Thorin, who strode like a man on a mission to her. He whispered into her ear as she smiled, nodding slightly. Ephraim stood up next. The lie is the statement about your back tattoo. Well done indeed, Ephraim. Insightful as well as deceitful. A charming composition. You may return to the group. The remaining members walked up to River, all returning with a stunned look on their faces, including Runa, who just shrugged towards Ephraim. All right, the groups have been decided. Ephraim, Thorin, you two may be finished for the afternoon. 
Your next lesson starts at the same time tomorrow. The rest of you, let us begin the next exercise. Apologies, River, but I must ask, what is your back tattoo of? River smirked at this and began to answer before, surprisingly, Thorin spoke up. Actually, there is no tattoo. She reversed her lesson on us, made it seem like a half-truth while the full lie was buried underneath. Tricky and very informative. Thank you, Mistress River. Thorin then gave a short bow towards River. Many of the initiates sat stunned at the sheer amount of words Thorin had said at once, as River's smile widened, and she gave a small bow in return to Thorin. Thorin waved for Ephraim, and the two made their way toward the common area as River continued her lesson. How did you know that she didn't have a tattoo in the first place? I had heard a tale during the last phrase, but never could have gotten so specific about it. Thorin merely shrugged with a smile before heaving himself onto one of the couches, lacing his hands over his chest and closing his eyes, likely preparing for a nap. Well played, sir, well played. As the day passed and dinner shortly after, Ephraim settled into his bunk for another night's trance, ready for the next day. The remainder of the week sped by, a blur of lockpicking, breaking and entering, disguise and performance, forging, weapon concealment, combat medication, endurance training, and, for Ephraim, getting tossed to the ground by a con daily. Most taxing of all, however, was the resistance to interrogation training. This was the only time River did not take an active role, instead bringing two unnamed associates in to, for all intents and purposes, torture the initiates while describing what they were doing and how to resist it. Approximately half of the initiates left when the first exercise began, and by the end even Kipper nearly had called it quits, before Thorne encouraged him to see it through. Ten initiates remained at the end of this grueling process, each battered, weary, and fully aware of just what was expected of them. Even Runa's usual chipper demeanor had cracked slightly under the weight of exhaustion, only a weak smile remaining by the end of the week. You have all made it to the final test before your full initiation into the Harpers. I want each of you to realize just how much you have accomplished in your short time here, and how much you will continue to accomplish out in the field. You may be surprised when I tell you that in most cases your training will feel like an extreme in comparison to your contracts as agents. This should be a relief and a warning that the worst-case scenario is still a very real threat, however uncommon it may be. Keep this in mind and you will go far as a harper. While your training here has completed, your training will not, and should not, ever be complete. With every moment you should be learning, adapting, and assessing what you can do to grow past your weaknesses and turn them into strengths of their own. Now, your final test will be what we call a practical exam. You will have three choices, three missions, one of which you and your partner must complete as your first mission is Harper's. They are as follows. A mansion infiltration, a VIP escort, and a hostage recovery. Full details will be provided upon your selection of the mission. Discuss with your partner and report your choice to River. I leave this up to you, Rill. I've got no preference other than my armor maybe being a bit of an issue for infiltration. But I can always be the lookout. What do you think? Thank you for listening to this episode of DYD Decide Your Destiny. Ephraim's first big mission has finally come, and he needs your help to pick the best option. An additional bit of information starting this week. As with his training being finished, the episodes to come involve real danger, real risk of death, and choices that carry more weight than before. As with the choose-your-own-adventure genre, your choice could spell doom for our young hero. So choose wisely as you decide Ephraim's destiny. Links to this episode's poll will be in the description of this episode's podcast, as well as on the Decide Your Destiny Twitter. Thank you again for listening, and see you next time.